0: This podcast presented by mybookie.ag. You think you know who's going to win uh, in these playoff series? Okay, might as well make some money while doing it. So get in on the action at the safest online sports book in the world, and it's the only one that we recommend to our listeners. It's mybookie.ag. It offers all kinds of different wagers in the National Hockey League as well as every other type of sport or uh, competition in the world. And when you win, you get lightning-fast payouts. You can even create your own player prop wagers using their prop machine. And if you've not heard of that, you got to check it out. It's really cool. And you can create your own matchups and wagers between any ball players that are in action that day. So check them out again. Use promo code STICK and get a bonus when you first deposit. Again, promo code STICK. And this is a great website if you want to get in on the action. You think you know the outcome? They offer every sport and league in the world, including eSports with League Legends and Counter-Strike. And in addition, uh, if you're looking for casino games like blackjack, roulette, craps, or slots, mybookie.ag has all of those as well. Not to mention, you can play all of their games on your cell phone, iPad, or tablet computer. It's entirely up to you. You can do it from anywhere. So if you play, you want to win, you get paid. So if you want to get in on the action, go to mybookie.ag. AG now and sign up with them using promo code STICK to ensure that you're eligible for all their future promotions and bonuses. Once again, mybookie.ag and use that promo code STICK. Welcome to the Stick to Hockey Podcast. It is episode. 25 this is kind of a big episode uh jason martinis alongside russ cohen at sportsology on twitter at jason Mert. you can follow the show at stick to hockey tons to get into today this is kind of um gonna be a flyers post-mortem episode with a check on the playoffs and around the nhl so a lot to get to but russ how are you i'm doing great jason how are you and as always thanks for coming in and not doing it over the phone where we can't <laughs> hear you as well i get it uh, but we have so much to get into today now real quick Mother's Day is coming up, mm-hmm. which means Father's Day is around the corner. Mm-hmm. The NHL playoffs are going on, and you have a great book. I tell do. The people about it. It's called
1: Philadelphia Flyers: Images of Sports. It's Arcadia Publishing. A lot of pictures in this book of like behind the scenes stuff. As an example, like Brian Boucher with a Santa beard, on. sort of like your beard, but <laughs> you know, but a Santa beard. And there's a lot of stuff from practices. There's actually a rare shot like Hitch, uh, interview getting interviewed by reporters in his office. Like, you don't see stuff like that. And actually, nobody goes in the offices anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think it was in Voorhees. But even in Voorhees, you never go to the coach's office. Like, it never happens. And so, like, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff there, some some interesting stories. And so that's, I think, people will like it. It's not, uh, there's not a lot of photos that people have seen before.
0: It's a look, but peel back the curtain, right? People love to yeah. be lawyers.
1: Yeah, and it's more of the Lindros era rather than going Broad Street Bullies. Now, we do have bully stuff and there's no question and and those guys but that's a portion of the book it's more of the Lindros era forward so it does go up to even some of the current draft picks who now at that time
0: were draft picks and now are, are Full-time players. And you mentioned Hitch. He was a guy that would actually bring reporters into his office and show them film and things. Yeah, yeah. He he was educating people as he was kind of dealing with the media. He's a teacher. He always has been, always will be. Now, all right, real quick, let's get into, before we get into the post-mortem on the Flyers, let's get into the playoffs. And the fresh thing right now is the Tom Wilson hit. Uh, We saw what happened in that uh, Penguin Game 3 where Ovechkin ends up scoring the game-winning goal, yep. they go on to win, take the series. In an amazing fashion.
1: Actually, he may have yeah. topped Crosby on the baseball swing because that one, the way it ricocheted off the iron, for him to actually even be able to see that in the air and, and hit it,
0: yeah. that's amazing. Amazing goal and a huge goal for that organization that's not gotten past the second round, and the Penguins seem to knock him out every year.
1: Yeah, it's true, and they still might.
0: Yeah. Do, do you see the Caps being able to close that one down and, and eliminate the two-time Cup champs?
1: No, but I think You still have the pens. I still have the pens. Wow. I think, you know, Tom Wilson is trying to literally knock them out of it. And other than that, I don't know if the caps can beat him straight up. That's yeah. the that's the issue. And if if Hagelin comes back, people forget. Like right now, they're playing without Carl Hagelin, who is a massive speed guy, he's important on the PK. stretches the ice for he them. He stretches the ice. Mm-hmm. You get him back, it changes things.
0: Well, and they and they The first two games without Malkin, he comes back finally. And that changed things already, yeah. Yeah, And you don't know his health. He's not 100%.
1: No, but Malkin plays hurt all the time. Mm -hmm. Even him at not 100% is
0: better than a lot of players. Yeah, just his stick skills and puck skills are unbelievable. All right, so you still have the Pens winning that series. I do. Now, Winnipeg uh, gets a win. They're up now two games to one. That atmosphere in Winnipeg. We talk about it in Nashville, and it really came to light last year. But the atmosphere in Winnipeg is off the charts and great for the game.
1: Yeah, I was told bonkers from a friend of mine that was at the game. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Those fans have been waiting for this forever. Like that, I feel great for them. I feel good for Chevrolet off. He comes on my XM show. He's a great guy. They've really built this team the right way. I still think Nashville can beat them though, and I think in that game, other than coughing up the lead, Nashville was sort of controlling it. And I think I think Laviolette's starting to figure it out. I think the players. Are, are sort of wearing down Winnipeg's players a little bit with their experience. I mean, if Connor Hellebuck doesn't make that amazing glove save oh, on save. Arvidsson, who, by the way, Arvidsson might be the best player on both teams in that series. And one of the better
0: finishers, too. And one of the better yeah.
1: finishers, which, you know, we saw a little bit of it last year. Now mm-hmm. he's even getting to another level. I mean, if he, he doesn't make that save, we might not even be talking about Winnipeg having the lead in this series. That's how narrow the margin is.
0: Well, the other guy in that series is Mark Shifley. And he's like kind of the poster boy for development, yeah. isn't he? Actually, he's the poster boy
1: for Rick Dudley,
0: too, who just got Mm -hmm. hired because he's the one who
1: scouted him. Yeah, he is the guy for development because I'll admit, even when they, when a couple years into it, I was like, boy, when is, you know, is he going to come around? They were patient. He came around. And boy, did he come around. He's so strong. He has a great shot. He's one of the hard guys to cover in
0: the league. You know, in a lot of ways, he's connected to Sean Couturier because it's the same draft, mind you. Uh, Taken right after Couturier, I believe. Yeah. One pick after. And he's a guy that, like Couturier, found their offensive game this year to a whole different level. He's a great player.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, again with Couturier, I think because he got that brand early on of being a defensive center, and I think that was just a way for him to get to the NHL, I knew he had better skill than that, but you
0: never still know. In Drummondville, yeah,
1: but yeah. you still like you still can't go by Drummondville numbers, right? I mean, you get a hundred points there, you still don't know what's going to translate. But he also needed to get a lot stronger. And the last two years, he's gotten a lot stronger. It's helped mm-hmm. on draws, and he finally has elite line mates. All of that has helped a lot. Now with Shifley. I think it was a situation of just his whole team getting better. And and that's – because he, you know, again, a couple years ago, how good was that team? Eh, They weren't that good. And so now that he – it's not even a matter of them – he having better players – everybody's gotten better on that team because they're mostly young players.
0: Yeah, no question about it. And, and they're they're that Other series than Blake is Wheeler. tremendous, by the way. Oh, it's it's the oh, best series. Awesome. Uh, it's a shame that it's not a conference final, but nonetheless. That's the it. way
1: the schedule is. I think
0: yeah, you get it I you heard get
1: it. rumblings that after this season, we still might see a change in the playoff really? scheduling because a lot of people on the inside do not like this format.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you see the situation. Like, Washington's a team that can complain about it because yep. they have to go through the Penguins just to get to past <laughs> the second round. Right. You know, you're looking. You know, Boston and and uh, Tampa Bay going toe to toe now would have been a great conference final on right. its own. You're going to get a good conference final. I mean, this the way they did it, they, they did it to please the fans. This is mm-hmm. what the fans wanted. Accentuate and, rivalry.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's created some great first-round matchups. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I loved it when Philly matched up against the Rangers growing up. That was the matchup yep. I always loved. But at the end of the day, to have all these great first-round matchups and have it start waning as it gets to the Cup is not a good idea.
0: Yeah, you want it to peak. Not, yes. Yeah, exactly. And the first round's always great because they're usually pretty wild, but this year's been pretty chalk. Uh, you look at that Tampa Bay and uh, Bruin series. Uh, the the Bruins take Game 1, Tampa Bay responds, uh, series shifts to Boston. How do you see that breaking down?
1: Well, it's interesting because I, I didn't know how much I believed Stamkos when he was just saying they seemed like a rusty team, but I think he was right. Mm-hmm. I mean, their offense woke up. And the thing is, I don't think the Bruins were ready to deal with that offense when they woke up. Even though their defense is really good, look, they don't have the... Other than McAvoy and Chara's not the fastest guy anymore, a guy like McQuaid's not that fast. Like, they have... and and what's his name Carlo's out I mean that really that has hurt them you know the fact that he's not there their defense is good. It's, they they have veterans, but they're not that fast. And Tampa can be very cool. fast. And and look, even their bottom three is not great. Strauman, you know, Girardi. These are guys that and, and Coburn. These are guys that were great four or five years ago. Coburn had a horrible game the other day. I yeah. mean, but at the end of the day, their offense can be so dynamic because of the guys they have, the speed. Whoever talks about Yanni Gord, nobody but this guy keeps oh, scoring. Amazing. And and they do the depth they have. I think Tampa will still win this series, and yeah, and a we lot. still, I mean, yeah, yeah, and 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 we probably still haven't even seen Stamkos peak. The one thing that that happened that I think a lot of the world wanted to see happen was, and I'm look, I did a book signing with Ryan McDonough. I will be up front and say that I probably like him more than I should like a player, even in the media. But when he put Marshawn into the boards and then threw him down with one arm, yeah. a lot of people wanted to see that. Probably a
0: lot of players too. Yeah, no question about it. And the, and the thing too is. Uh, the Bruins have to get secondary scoring. Yes. I mean Jake DeBrus gave it to him one game. But when you look at Play
1: Ryan Donato, I don't don't get it. it. He has got one of the best shots on the team already. I don't I mean, I get it. Look, coaches wanna always rely on their veterans, Uh but you could take somebody out of that Bruins lineup and put Donato in. You don't have to give him massive minutes. You could put him on every power play and you could let him play some minutes, maybe towards end of periods when you think you can get a
0: chance at a goal. Come on. Yeah. I mean it's just crazy. Uh one more quick question on the playoffs. Is Vegas going to the Stanley Cup final? <laughs>
1: I keep can we saying, say that
0: now. <laughs> I keep saying no, but this
1: is a must-win coming up for San Jose. Like, if yeah. San Jose doesn't win the next game, Vegas is. Yeah, I mean, they're in the conference
0: final. They're in the conference final, and and who knows what they can do? Because Mark Andre Fleury, right now, Mark Andre yeah. Fleury is the best goalie in the playoffs. He has mm-hmm. proven that, so anything's possible. And he's got the experience as well. He does. Hellebuck does not have that. No, Rask has been unbelievably no. shaky. Renee's so,
1: got partial experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he
0: lost his cool completely in Game Three, though. He did. You he know? did. Uh, and then you look at you know you look at the even Vasilevsky who had a great regular. Yeah. Murray's season. Murray's the
1: other one though. Murray does have the mm. uh, the finishing skills for a goalie in in the playoffs and, we'll and the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and Hopi, I still see him looking to the heavens too much. Mm-hmm. It's
0: you're you're a former goalie. I mean, you see when yeah. it, you can tell you when a goal gets to a long yeah yeah and, and guys are questioning their puck tracking. You can see it all yeah. over the place. All right, let's get to the Flyers and the uh, the post mortem here on what was the 2017-18 season. Obviously, you going to play
1: any uh, fancy taps music or anything no no, 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 no drops
0: yeah right. no uh we're not <laughs> no, it's over Low budget that's um, it but uh they went further than maybe some people thought and they didn't go far enough for a lot of other people but let's educate everybody on what we what we thought we saw this season what we know for sure is there a team that improved by 10 points in the regular season standings yeah that's a big deal so, and 98 points and i know the loser point comes in there a lot in the three-point games but 98 points is 98 points yes So uh, did the team overachieve in the regular season, or was this just a natural progression?
1: No, I think it's a natural progression. I I thought they would be right on the edge of making it or not. They made it a little easier than I thought. But again, they came up against a two-time Stanley Cup champ in the first round. Even if you are the greatest Flyers fan on earth, there probably was a lot of voices in your head saying, this is not going to be a win. Yeah, But you just wanted to see what they could do. I thought they represented themselves really well. I mean, again, I don't know what what people thought they could do against the Penguins. I mean, to think that they were going to beat the Penguins is unrealistic. To think they were going to take them to seven is unrealistic. I I think what you saw was just what they worked up to be. I mean, this is still a team that has a lot of parts coming, and this is part of of Hextall's plan, and the plan is working. There's no—you know, there's no— Term for it. Nobody's calling it the process, but yeah. he, but he came up with this plan at the very beginning, and you have to give him credit. He has stuck to it, and people in the media thought he was going to, f- he was going to bend on that and fold on that, and and sign over thirty year old free agents like every
0: he, other fires GM previous cor- did. Correct, and he yeah. hasn't done any of that. Yeah, and, that, and the fan base is conditioned to think that way because that's the way it's always been, and to the detriment of building it the right way. Right. Now, let me ask you this though: in the playoffs, you know, they do take it to six games. But from the optics standpoint of it, you know, getting blown out twice in in your own building in mm-hmm. games three and four when the series was tied five nothing and five to one looks bad, obviously, and it's not good. But the problem is, and, and I love your input on this, the marquee players Claude Giroux, who didn't end up as a heart finalist, should have been with one hundred and two. He points. was third
1: on my list, by yeah. the way.
0: And and then you look at you know Jake Voracek, Shane Gostasbear, We know the litany of injuries that Maine Simmons played with. Yep. When you look at all that. Why didn't they show up? It's a good question. I think, and, and look, there is a
1: lot that's said about chemistry and and what happens with a team like mentally. And I felt like when they knew they were getting bad goaltending, mm-hmm. it was hard for them to to get up for you games. play
0: different when that happens. You, you do.
1: You, 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 you start pressing. You start thinking, oh boy. I can't with those two goals. Mistake. With those two goals that are coming in, they came in early. Like mm-hmm. it's like, wow. Now, now, what do I do? That's what somebody thinks because they're human and. Yeah. If the Flyers had just gotten average NHL goaltending in that series, they could have won a Game Six. Yeah, but they didn't even get average NHL goaltending for most of that series. If you think about it, and that's—I'm yeah. not being mean. I'm just saying we all knew Brian Elliott was hurt. He, came, he back came back too, too fast. Yep. We knew that. We saw the limitations, and and you know then they went with Neuverth, who again has to still probably get worked on, even though he came mm-hmm. back and did man- manage to make it through a couple games. Neither were going to be good enough. They yeah. weren't. and look, Not for that task. Not for that task. And Mrazic yeah. got pushed aside a little too quick, I felt, but whatever. That's their choice.
0: Yeah, and one of the reasons, and I think Ron Hextall alluded to this, and he will join us on the Stick to Hockey podcast uh, momentarily, uh, one of the things that he alluded to was that the inability of Neuvert being able to stay healthy maybe affected the usage of Elliot, which maybe led to that injury. Do you buy that?
1: Yeah, I think there's something to that. I do. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of sense to that. It's wear and tear. Yeah, 33 it is. 33-year-old goalie in Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, next year, well, we'll talk about it. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. get
0: ahead of it. I, I know where you're going. Yeah. I, I, my opinion is I don't think that Michael Nolvert will be back with the Flyers. I know he's he's training in this continent this off season, and he's not going back to the Czech Republic. Well, and- he's
1: getting a new trainer, which is always a good thing. I mean, go look mm-hmm. at, like, the New York Mets, who's my favorite baseball team. People could hate on me if they want. That's fine. <laughs> full disclosure. But full disclosure. However, they did train, change their whole training staff because they had bad injuries the last mm-hmm. couple years. This year, not many injuries, nothing yeah. at all. So it does matter. Well, it's
0: early we we'll oh, <laughs> um, Also, so, you know, when you get into the playoffs and you have this younger core of players as well, you have two cores on this team. You have that the veteran core of Drew Voracek and, you know, the people that are in that core. And then you have this young core. And uh, Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, two of the key players in that core. What did you think of their development through the season, their usage through the season, and then uh, how they performed in the playoffs?
1: You know, I, I was critical early in the season with the usage of Konechny thrown. I still don't see throwing a guy with his skill on the fourth line. I don't know what fewer minutes does. I would rather scratch a guy and let him watch from the box than put him in a role that he is not made for. I, mm-hmm. That was my. He needs to play with skilled talent. He does. And that was my criticism early on, but then once once Haxtell got away from that and put him in his rightful role, I felt, hey, this well, awesome. kid really, you know, he he was showing stuff in games that even I hadn't seen at any level. A speed factor, a nuisance factor that, that rose like tenfold, mm-hmm. a, you know, just really a, a leader, leadership factor, even for a young player. I felt yeah. like people were, you know, other players were feeding off that. I still felt like he should have gotten on the top line sooner when things were going stale. That's just and remain know, there
0: and remain there. Yeah, that's just me though. It's maybe the biggest um, coaching decision that was criticized was the usage of him, especially yes. late in the year after he had what twenty two or twenty four goals with that top unit of Couturier and Giroux, and then to move him off that. I get the reasoning because yeah. you want to create balance amongst three lines, especially when you're playing a team like the Penguins in the playoffs. But to bro- to change what wasn't broken was where I had a little bit of an issue.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And as far as Provorov, I mean, he had a great year, but this is also a guy that is so prideful, wants to be the leader of the defense. If somebody gets more minutes than him, it bothers him. Mm -hmm. And, And I definitely know this. And, but... On, on the plus side, he played like a veteran. Mm. He really, for part of the maturities year...
0: maturity's through the roof.
1: Maturity's through the roof. Uh, look, I I went back and I scouted him in the USHL, right? And he's gotten so much better even since then. It's scary. I, I didn't know how much more of a ceiling he had after last year. He, he's he got more. And so he could be one of the top five or six defensemen in the league because, look, he's now shown that he can get points, too. And I always said it. Like, spear has the greatest, prettiest shot but Provov puts it on net and yeah. at the end of the day that's half the battle
0: and it's not a bomb it's a snapshot no. or a and wrist that, shot yeah it just
1: it goes on net whether it is a snap or a wrist it gets there and that's all that matters cuz then things could happen i did feel like the the minutes did get did weigh him down at parts during the season mm. it, it, he was taking less than 30 second shifts at times yeah. which was crazy on anybody
0: and he's economical with his energy so he's he doing and, that he's hit a wall
1: yeah and i i go back to like his first camp when he was wearing a uh, fitbit and he was actually out there on the ice and looking at his Fitbit. And I asked him about it, and he said, "Oh no, no, that no, was just checking things." But he is very calculated like that because his parents are doctors, and he looks at all of that. He he looks at all that data. How to he looks calculate at how usage? To, how to calculate usage? Yep. Like he is like a, sort of like a coach out there and does do that with his training. And that's why you see the player you see.
0: Okay, so much more to get into here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Right now, we're going to talk with Flyers general manager Ron Hextall. And we'll be back right after uh, speaking with Ron to. Break down some more of the younger players. What's coming? How the Flyers are going to approach this offseason. season? But right now, Ron Hextall joins us on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Ron, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well, thanks. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm doing well. I hope uh, I know the season ended a little bit before. Uh, obviously, you wanted it to. You want a playoff run to last a little bit longer. Uh, an assessment now that you're a little bit removed from that playoff series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. What's kind of uh, some conclusions that you came to, and you can take away from that uh, that trip to the fun- or to the uh, playoffs for the first time for many of these young players.
2: Well, I think it's it's obviously disappointing for us. I think the way the way it went down, there's times where the, you know we felt like we shot ourselves in the foot um, and didn't give ourselves the best chance to win. so that's disappointing, and there's no way to get away from that um, in saying that. I think we we not only did our guys get experience in the playoffs, our young players, but also down the stretch where the games were they they meant a lot uh, New Jersey, Columbus, Florida, they all just kept winning. So we had to win our way in and that was good for us. It's certainly character building and and gives our guys a sense and then to continue on from that and play against uh, a team that had just won the Stanley Cup back to back—it certainly builds our experience. But uh, I don't think anybody around here is satisfied. Nor where there's only one way to finish the season—that's winning your last game. So certainly the goal here, and we we obviously fell far short of that. But. Uh, we are getting better. We saw a lot of growth within the organization this season.
0: Uh, as a rookie in your uh, time in the NHL, you went all the way to the Stanley Cup Final in a magical run. Uh, what can getting to the playoffs teach young players in this league in preparation for next season and going forward?
2: Well, it, 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 it's, it, it's a lot harder. You're all of a sudden, you know, during the regular season, you might play two games where you you play good teams and then you play a non-playoff team. And so all of a sudden you're playing a very good team, you know, six, seven straight times. It's hard. Uh, I think the hatred, the, the level of passion from, you know, the fans and from the media and the level of attention that you're getting, you're under uh, even more of a microscope. So there's a lot of good lessons that come out of it. We certainly uh, will grow from this experience this year and be better for it next year.
0: Uh, one of the issues you guys had in that uh, first-round playoff series against the Penguins was uh, uh, the, maybe the stars or the guys you really depend on in your team did not have great series uh, from your captain Captain Claude Drewy had three points in the series, and uh, Jake Voracek, uh, Shane Gosper, all these guys had really prolific offensive seasons and good numbers. And Wayne Simmons, we know the uh, litany of injuries that he was dealing with. Is that one of those things where you guys are a top-heavy team and it makes it easier to shut down your elite line or and maybe spreading out that offense and getting a little bit more depth will help that?
2: Well, I think that's kind of where where we're headed. I think when you bring you know patty nolan patrick in the lineup and and connect me into the lineup and uh you know certainly scott lawton took a a step this year and oscar limblom got some good experience uh the, these guys are all going to be better players next year i think our, our young defensemen have been been through some things and you know sometimes you got to go, go through something to realize you know how hard it is or uh the level of play that 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 you really need to maintain in the playoffs you know the other thing is sometimes you you have a tough week and it's in the playoffs so it gets magnified so there's a lot of things that 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 our players will take out of not only the playoffs and the disappointment but also you know, the regular season, how hard it was to make the playoffs and how we had to fight right to the bitter end. And it's experience where all of a sudden, November, that game that doesn't seem like it means so much or that one point that doesn't seem like it means so much, it really does mean a lot. I mean, we we pretty much went down to our last game uh, of the season fighting for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it used to be 93 or 94 points kind of guaranteed you a playoff spot. And this was a league where the, the narrative was always, well, everybody makes the playoffs. It's what you do in the playoffs. But it's not that way in the NHL anymore, is it?
2: No, it's getting harder to make the playoffs obviously now you got, you know, half the teams pretty much are are in and, and half the teams are out. You know we used to have a 21 team league and 16 made the playoffs. It was pretty hard not to make the playoffs. So it is a different animal there. And uh, uh, but you know we're getting to a point where you know it's an expectation to make the playoffs, and it's not good enough just to lose out in the first round.
0: One of the things you guys did learn this year was the offensive capabilities of Sean Couturier. Uh, first of all, probably happy he's not in a contract year. But that being said, uh, great regular season gets over that 30 goal mark and then continues what was a heroic performance in the playoffs uh, talk about Sean Couturier and the step that he made this year we always knew he was a good 200 by 85 player uh, but what he contributed offensively this year made him special
2: yeah he, he, he was a horse for us I mean when you have a guy uh, that's producing at the level that Sean produced this year as well as playing against the other team's top line you know you got a you not only have a, a, a very good player, but you got a player you can win with, and Kutz is certainly certainly one of those guys. Obviously, what he did in uh, in Game Six there with his with his injury was pretty special. So he's a he's a special individual for us, and obviously a very good player.
0: And yeah, he's still young too. It's he's been. It seems like he's been around forever, and uh, he's still a young yeah, player. in This it's league. It's
2: easy. It's easy to you know we could have given up on Kutz three or four years ago, thinking he he hasn't become what we hoped and. Sometimes you, it's a process for young players, and they all develop at different stages. And obviously, Kutz took his, his game to a level that probably we hoped that would have been at two or three years ago. Um, but he's there now, and he's established what he is as a National Hockey League player.
0: Yeah, and certainly a confident player at this point. Uh, you just talked about uh, that process of, of building a team, and it does take patience in the NHL. You know, high-ticket-free agents don't come on the market very often, nor do elite goaltenders, so you have to draft and develop. A couple of the guys, uh, you alluded to him earlier, Travis Konechny, uh, once he was put on that top line with Claude Drew, really flourished. What did you see out of him in his development this year?
2: Well, I think Travis has really gotten better since he's come into the league. He, he obviously we knew who he was two years ago, but he certainly wasn't. Uh, we weren't looking at him as a guy that was going to make our team. Uh, he came into camp, and quite frankly, he wouldn't let us send him back. So, kudos to to Travis. Um, he's he certainly grown a lot in his second year from his first year, and really grew a lot from you know, the start of his, his second year till towards the end, he's, he's starting to clean his game up. He's a very typical young player where there's some uh, irresponsible plays he makes. Um, there's also some very good dynamic offensive plays that he makes. So, um, he's, he's improving. He really, he's almost improving. You can see it by the day. He's got a little setback here or there and he needs to be, um, needs to be held accountable like everybody else. But he, he's a very good young player for us. We love the way he plays. He's got a lot of desire. He's, he's tenacious. He plays to win. He goes to the net hard. So he's got a lot of great things going for him and it is pretty, uh, it's pretty easy to forget how young he is. Yeah,
0: and he's a pretty dynamic player. One of the things in dealing with Travis Konechny in his rookie year, he was healthy scratched a few times. This coaching staff opted to use that as a learning experience. Talk about what that that can do for a player uh, trying to find his way in this league, a really young kid like Travis Konechny, Uh Sanheim was a healthy scratch at points this year, Oscar Lindblom. Uh, but you go through that, you get up in the press box, and, and how does that help develop young players with those coaches' decisions?
2: Yeah. Those are, those are lessons that, that most young players need. I mean, you look around the league and you see the same thing in other teams and, you know, we all sit here and go, how could you scratch player X? He's playing so well for you. But there is a point where certain young players hit a bit of a wall, um and it gets a lot for them. And then there's other times where they just do something over and over they're making a mistake and the coaches have been through the first three or four steps and it comes to a point where for the long-term development of the player that that they need to be sat out so there's different reasons for for sitting out but it certainly makes a hungrier player and if you got to get a message to any player whether it's a young guy or a veteran um Sitting out is, is the best way to do it because, obviously, nobody likes to sit out. Uh,
0: your coaching staff makes those decisions headed by Dave Haxtall. Uh, when you look at uh, the, the season for, for Hackstall, you know it was one of uh, uh, some, some rough spots, obviously, the 10-game winless streak where you went 0-5-5, and then the tremendous run thereafter from basically the beginning of December through February, and then it got tough again. Uh, assess your coaching staff uh, from a head coach perspective and, and what you saw out of Dave this year and where, maybe where he needs to grow a little bit more as a head coach.
2: Well, I think we can we, we can all grow, and that can't, ten game streak is on all of us. Myself, the coaches, the players that's on that's on all of us. You can't just uh, pinpoint one guy. Um, I think it's the one thing that you know. Hack and I talk about at the end of the year, and, and we we've got to find a way for those valleys not to be quite so low. You're going to have your ups and downs during the season, and quite honestly, I look pretty close at it. Most teams have those six seven games run one way or the other, so those aren't unusual. But we need to keep our our highs and lows uh, a little more level so that we don't, you know, when we go down, we don't go down for so long. You're going to go down, you have three or four games, or you feel like you don't play great. Okay, guys, we need to pick it back up here rather than go on six or seven games or eight games. Um, so there's areas that we can improve on, and I think even period to period we've got to become a more consistent team. Uh, you come off a real good first period or second period, and then you you want to back it up the right way, not the wrong way. So if there's areas that we can grow. Part of that is youth, but part of it is just it's accountability and and changing a little bit the mindset of of our of our entire group. That you know what we we go out and have a great first period. You know we got to come out and have a real good second period as well. So there's little areas that. That we can all improve on as an organization. I think specifically, you know, with the coaches, obviously the coaches job is to get the most out of the players and you know, the consistency part is partly on the coaches and it's, it's partly on the players. So that's something that I think everybody can get better at.
0: Uh talk, speaking of consistency, your penalty kill was uh not a bright spot for you guys this year. I believe it ended twenty ninth in the NHL, uh all said and done. Uh Aileen Perrier heads up that penalty cu- uh killing unit. You decided not to make a change uh, in the staff in that area. Uh a lot of people were questioning why. Yeah.
2: Well, every, every area of your game, whether it's good or bad, you look at it and you analyze it. And Obviously, that's an area that certainly I gave a lot of thought to and talked to a lot of people about. Um, in looking at it, I was encouraged by our last 20 or 22 games. I think we were, uh, we were right around 80%, 79.6 or 8, somewhere in there. So we did a much better job. Some of the analytics show we did a much better job.
0: Would have landed you 14th in the NHL for that, by the way.
2: Yeah, Drastic that's, that's improvement, yeah. Kind of, that's kind of where we are. And, you know, our personnel, you look at our personnel in terms of penalty kill, I feel like we should we should certainly be in that area. And, again, without the last 20 games, we'd have been asking, obviously, a lot of questions in the playoffs. We, we ended up being uh, uh, 80%. I think in the playoffs, I really liked the job we did, the pressure we did. We, we had a little bit more up-ice pressure. We had more pressure uh, on their controlled entries, and I thought we did a real good job. In the playoffs, obviously, obviously against a pretty good power play, so there were signs that I think it's going the right direction. There was some adjustments made throughout the year that um, that we talked about, and I'm I my feeling right now is that our penalty killing is going to be better than last year. Obviously, we would have looked at something else if if I didn't have that feeling.
0: Based on the look of the uh, playoff series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, the old flyer lament, "Oh, we need a goaltender." Well, you had a good goaltender uh, most of the season in Brian Elliott, and then obviously the injury uh, played. Uh, certainly a big effect on how he came back from that surgery a core surgery tough one to come back from but Carter Hart now AHL eligible next year and a lot of people say well just bring the kid up tell people kind of uh your thinking on how you're going to handle Carter Hart uh maybe he'll see a game or two here next year if a situation arises uh how do you handle him and what do you think of his game and his development thus far
2: well you know what his development has been has been really good um he's uh they're still playing right now and out in everett so he's he's had a nice playoff run here hopefully they uh they prolong it um carter's he's gotten better every year uh he works hard at his game he's a real student of the game um our development guys uh brady and and kim enjoy working with him because he is a sponge um we all got to remember he is a young kid uh you only got one chance to develop a player the right way and whether carter or or morgan frost or, or any of our other players make our team next year they're going to dictate that to a big degree uh, in the end obviously we have the final say uh, but players got to come in and training camp and make a big impression and You know, second to that, the players that are on your team right um, now—they've there's some spots that they've got to earn it too. So those are questions that will be uh, answered in September and October. Um, But in terms of you know the young goalie, there certainly haven't been a lot of them. Uh, play as a 19, 20, 21 year old um, in the league. And, you know, we're going to do what's right for Carter Hart, which obviously, in the end, is right for the organization.
0: Two more quick questions for Ron Hextall. Of the draft you guys have the 14th selection due to that uh, Braden Shen trade. Uh, you got uh, Morgan Frost, who you just alluded to, had a great year still playing uh, in, in the uh, in the playoffs for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. You get the 14th selection this year. Are you guys in a, a best player available mode now, or is there still certain needs that you want to attack with that 14th pick going forward?
2: Uh, we're in the best player available mode. If, if there's something that makes sense, whether it be, you know, trading up or possibly even trading back, uh, we certainly look at all of our options. Uh, there is a little bit more definition in our prospect group, in our player group up top. So, you know, there's a couple areas that, that if we want to shore up, this is probably a year where we can at least take a closer look at it. So if the player we feel is the right player and we feel like he's going to go in this area can we get up to get him because he is the type of player that that we need so uh we will have flexibility with the two first rounders and you know we feel very comfortable with the draft it's looking like a pretty good draft right now so if we use the two picks uh We'd be comfortable with that and certainly comfortable if we have a chance to move up and the right guys available to at least look at that.
0: Last question for you. Uh, free agency, welcome to it, first of all. You haven't really had an opportunity to really dip your toe in this pool, uh, but you're getting cap healthy. You have some room under your salary cap. What do you want to accomplish this summer? I know you're not going to give me names. You're not going to uh, tip your hand too much, but uh, you do have some uh, some uh, flexibility now from a financial standpoint.
2: Yeah, we, we, would, we would certainly look... Um, you know if there's a if there's the right veteran defenseman out there if there's if there's a, a centerman out there that 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 we feel like can help us if there's a winger out there that can score goals we we'd look at all the above um not certainly not through all my research yet but we've got to look in terms of long term and uh, having space available for our players, it's unfortunately it's not as easy as looking this year and saying, oh, we got lots of cap- salary cap space, we can just spend it, because obviously long-term deals bleed into to future years. So, uh, you yeah, need we some got RFAs to sign
0: as well. What's that? You used to have some re- restricted free agents that you got to deal with as well.
2: We do, we do. And again, it's more the, the bleed-over effect. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've got guys, a lot of players, we got to sign within the next couple of years. You start looking at signing a free agent to a six or seven year deal and all of a sudden you know, Provy's up in, in in a year, and and Hager's up now, and and Oscar Limblom's up in two years, and Nolan Patrick's up in two years, and Travis Connecty's up in a year. So there's a lot of different things that we have to look at, where we keep our our young group together, but also try and improve the the big club for for next year.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, there's a big trickle down effect, no question about. it. It's not as easy as just say here, throw the money at them. That's for sure. Yeah.
2: No, it's not quite that easy. And like I said, you, we got cap space this year, and and Probably pretty good next year, and after that, we're going to have to be a little more selective.
0: And, and this is the area where you can really make a jump as a team, isn't it? When you can, when you can grab a guy via free agency and kind of slot everybody where, they, where, where you think they belong.
2: Yeah, if you can and it works out with the long-term plan, absolutely. It's, you know, you get you what we all term as kind of a free player. Um, it's not free, obviously, but uh, we certainly look hard at guys on, on short-term deals as well.
0: Well, Ron, we appreciate the time. I know it's going to be a busy offseason for you guys. You're not happy with the result and the, uh, the work goes in to uh, change that result going forward uh, with this offseason, the draft coming up in, uh, in June and July and free agency. Good luck this summer and we'll definitely talk to you soon.
2: All right, Jason, appreciate it.
0: All right, there he is, Ron Hextall, joining us on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Russ Cohen, Jason Mertedas at Sportsology, at Jason Mert, at Stick to Hockey Pod. Follow us on Twitter, and uh, obviously, we'll be uh, talking a lot of Flyers here in the postmortem episode number twenty-five. All right, let's get back into it because uh, you know some of the young players that were kind of up and down this year, and I'm talking about Travis Sanheim, who made the club out of camp, mm-hmm. was eventually sent back down, and then Oscar Lindblom, conversely, who didn't make the club out of camp. Came back up and was caught up and was effective and proved that he's got a high IQ and is a high IQ player. We'll be with the team next year. Let's talk about Sanheim first. Okay, um, Started off the year pretty well. Seemed like he hit a little bit of a wall. Mm-hmm. Was a healthy scratch. They opted to send him back to the Phantoms. Looks like he straightened things out. Talk about what he's going to be next year for this team. He's going to be in
1: the top four. Like, that's, that's what he's going to be. He'll be on that second pairing. He... What I've noticed out of him is also a strength factor, and that's gotten a lot lot better in the last two years. Because if you remember, when Hextall drafted him, he was rangy. Actually, Mm. to be completely honest here, too, in that draft, I thought the Flyers should have drafted Alex Tuck. Mm -hmm. The way I look at it now... We were both right. Like, yeah. you could have gone either, either way. way. Flip have been, <laughs> you flip a coin, they'd have been right. Um, the things that I really liked out of Sandheim was the skating stride is a lot better. Even though people thought that he was fast, and I felt like the speed was pretty good, the stride wasn't great. Yeah. The stride is better now. They've definitely evened that out, and that has helped him in the offensive zone getting into the zone, we always talk about how quick can you do it, what's the zone time and all that. He was a lot better at that. The One thing that he did do that a lot of young players fall into was he was so much better offensively at home than he was on the road. Mm-hmm. I even wrote about this on my website, sportsology.com because what I noticed was he had like three quarters of his season points at home and even in the playoffs that was holding too and that's why I was kind of wondering the one game where Haxtell didn't didn't dress him at home I thought was kind of weird. I would see I would have always dressed him at home and not on the road if I was going to not insert him. But, again, I'm not a coach and I don't get paid to do it. But Sandheim's going to put up more points next year. I felt like his shot could get a little more accurate, but I also felt like that was probably a function of him being stronger, too. Like I just think right now he was trying to just get his shot on net any way he could, and I felt like he... Did a good job in showing that he belongs in the NHL. I just saw him a few uh, last week at at Lehigh. He looks great there. Mm -hmm. So this is right now. This is the best thing. You know, the Flyers are out of the playoffs. That's bad. He's still in the playoffs. That's good. Yeah, he's gaining even more experience. He's gaining more experience, and that's really good.
0: The one thing I saw from him when he came back, and you saw maybe a little bit of a problem when he was here initially, if you were to pick nitpick, was his gaps and his ability to turn when players coming up on the on, on the wing. Yeah. That was markedly better when he came back. His ability to make up ground when he lost a little space was way better. Uh, Oscar Lindblom was a guy who came over. A lot of people thought he'd make the team out out of camp. And I talked to Dave Haxtell last summer before training camp. And they loved him, and they thought that he was a guy that was probably going to make the team and be a top six out of camp. Didn't turn out that way. Looked like he was laboring a little bit, skating and training In preseason, preseason. he didn't
1: show the way they thought. I agree
0: with that decision. But but when he did get here, he proved to be a a really smart player that had an innate ability and the courage to go to those dirty areas without having to be told. Uh, He'll be here all next year. I expect big things out of him.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to expect- find
0: in the fifth round too. By the way,
1: yeah, no, it's a great find. And Chris Pryor, every time he comes on our show, he he points that out, and he, he should, because yeah. you know he really, I could tell he really likes him and really thinks he will do great things. I mean, I'm not looking for huge points from him next year. I think if he gets 40 points, that would be terrific. Mm-hmm. I think like 12, what
0: 15 goals. Yeah, yeah, I think,
1: but we're, but what we are looking at is strong play along the wall. Yep. And, and that's something the Flyers need. They have a shortage of wingers in the organization, as is. So the fact that he could do that now, was he getting overmatched in the playoffs that way? Yes. And that's mm-hmm. why they did eventually take him out because why have him do that? Why have him struggle? There's yeah, no what, point in having yeah. him struggle. Negative impact is not good. Negative impact is not good for development. But he is, he is smart. He is—he really is valiant, too, with his play. You're right. Yeah. I mean, he is not afraid of anything. He will mix it up with anybody. And he's only going to get stronger. He is probably still only at like 65% of his man strength. Yeah. He's not even there yet. This summer will be a big summer for him for training. And I think you yeah. will see a guy who's going to be at least a second liner. I don't
0: think he's going to be a top liner. Yeah. He, he's a guy, too, that... Uh, You know, there's certain things you can do over the summer. You can put on muscle. You can work on your stride and those kind of things. Yes. Uh, But the thing that was impressive to me was the trust they showed in him in key situations late in games, in defensive zone situations. He's always on the right side of the Yeah.
1: Well, that's, you know, that goes back to playing overseas. He was playing against men. And when you do play against men, you can't screw up. Like, you know, if you're a kid playing on those teams with 34, Mm -hmm. 35-year-olds... If you screw up, you're on the bench. They yeah. don't care about development. Yeah, they'll answer the Flyers' call about it, and they'll say whatever. But this is yeah. a we're business. Here to win. Yeah, yeah, we're here to win. This is business. This is our team. So that does help a lot of players. It yeah. really does. And that's why when some players don't go to juniors, but they go to the SHL or the Finnish Elite League yep. or to Czech Elite League, I'm fine
0: with it. Yeah, it probably was really good for his development. Uh, Sam Moran is a guy that was drafted way back in 2013, oddly enough, yep. um, and is still yet to. Really make a mark on the NHL. He's got a couple of games under his belt. Often injured this year. What is the future of Sam Moran? Does he make this club out of camp next year?
1: I think they will give him every opportunity. I think he'll play. If, Haven't
0: they given him every opportunity? Though? They
1: have, but his body hasn't complied. Mm-hmm. And but but before that, like the first thing I noticed about Sam Moran is he only could play one side, right? Mm-hmm. And that and that I think now that's changed and that's good. So He can move to the right side. Yeah, I I think okay but not like you're going to have him play on the right side yeah. just in case you switch up on the ice. Mm-hmm. So I think cuz you have to do that in the NHL and I don't think he was capable of doing that a year or two ago. Okay. I think he can do that. He he is still fast as a straight line skater. He is still not fantastic with turns, but he's a little better. That's the part where we don't know where he's yeah. going to be until we see him in camp. As far as the other parts, was he partly snake bitten? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Did he probably Come back too soon with the core injury? Yeah, and that's why those core injuries linger. I mean, those Mm. are
0: the— And they really affect your ability to turn your hips. They do, and it
1: it affects everything. And when you're a young guy, sometimes you are afraid to report those injuries, and sometimes you think because you're young and massive like he is and strong, you could just play Play through through it. And I think he probably learned something from that. So I think there's a a 40% chance he can make the team.
0: Yeah, see, I think he's a guy that would be better off with a scenery change at this point.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, we that's... put into another
0: organization, mm-hmm. different message, different I won't situation. say no.
1: Look, I, I was not in love with the pick when they made it. Yeah, it was a I, reach a bit. I, I, I cringed when I heard the Chris Pronger reference because mm-hmm. I never referenced players. That's not my thing. But I would never use Chris Pronger. Yeah, I mean, an, it's unfair to the kid. It is unfair.
0: He already looks like him physically. Yes. To then lump that on him to a Hall of Fame guy who's won cups. I mean, to I me. mean,
1: you would hope for maybe Hal Gill, right? Something yeah. more, you know, reasonable. Yes. And... But I think because he is such a enigma and because there are few players like him, he'll get one more shot. Yeah. I think he's going to get one more shot when he's healthy to make this team. If he doesn't, then I think you're right. He will yeah. end up getting dealt.
0: Yeah. I I've, I've just have a sneaking suspicion he could be part of some kind of draft day package, too.
1: Well, look, here's the thing about draft day. Just to, to clear that up, and we'll get into that down the road, but... Everybody wants to move up in this draft, because yeah. once you're past about 25, it gets a
0: little thinner. That's where the big drop off
1: is. Yeah, yeah. and and so everybody wants to move up. So
0: that's the thing you're going to hear for the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, Philip Myers is another guy a lot of people are excited about. Um, how was his development this past year? He's still probably a year away. Maybe a call up at some point next year, I, pending health of some. I Lewis. think
1: he's a year away. I think some of the media were jumping the gun with him because they saw somebody who fit the bill. Right? He he was fast. Mm-hmm. He um, today a uh,
0: very today type yes, NHL player.
1: Strong, good with the puck, mm-hmm. smart. Except his body just isn't where it needs to be. He's another guy that continually gets injured. But there was also something I noticed when he came back over the summer and I was watching him in rookie camp. His speed had diminished a little from the injury because, mm. what do you have, a hip surgery, right? Yeah. I mean, and that takes a while to a sort of... A lot of, of burst uh,
0: taken away when that happens. Yeah, snap
1: yep. back into shape. So I think he's a guy who needs minutes and reps. And I do think another year in the AHL is the right way to go. I don't even think they should consider him... For an NHL at, at a at a camp, if he rips up the AHL, hey, great. Yeah. you could bring him up mid season or something if there's an injury, but otherwise,
0: leave him alone. Yeah, and you let him get off to a good start. Yeah, in a, in a more in an environment that he can dominate better. Yeah, uh, Tanner Leszinski, uh made the decision to go back to Ohio State. Um, this could be troublesome because now it he's going to get into the situation that we've seen all too often lately, where he can decide where he wants to go. Yeah, is that potentially how you see this playing out? Because they're not going to be able to make a guarantee that he's going to be a top nine forward.
1: I think they're going to have to. Depth. They're going to have to say something close to that verbiage to probably keep him. I interviewed him, I guess, after one of the Frozen Four games, and it was after a win, and he really didn't want to talk about the Flyers. Now that's not an indication he didn't like the Flyers. It was an indication that hey, I want to just talk about Ohio State because Focus. I, I'm focused on winning. Yeah. I want to win a you know a uh, championship. He didn't do that. He wants to go back and win a championship, which is great. I think everybody in the Flyers organization would want him to do that. The problem is if he actually goes back and wins a championship, he can write his own ticket as a free Mm -hmm. agent. And so then he is going to start to look at other clubs that aren't as blessed as far as with players and prospects. And that's where the decision making is going to be tough. Now, the positive side of this is you could look at the Flyers and say they've got five, six guys that can play center. Not everybody's playing center at the NHL level. Look yeah. at Scott Lawton, how he had to make the change. Yeah. So, But Lesinski is a true center. So if they promise him that, that might be enough. Saying, hey, you know what? We'll leave you at that spot. We know that we have Rupstop and these other guys, but some of them are going to play wing. Yep. That may be enough. Because he does want to play for <clears throat> a winner, but he's going to want to play. And I don't know how long he would even stay in the AHL, if he wants to even play there at all. Yeah. And I don't blame him. He is a guy that when you watch him... How old him, is he now, 22? 22, I think. Yeah. And But when you see him against other college players he is fantastic he's like a he man. is he is at the top of the food chain when it comes to that when you saw him in international play
0: he was he'll be a hobie baker guy two years
1: it. ago i wasn't that sure about him because i was just like yeah i think he's good i don't know how good now i know he's yeah. really
0: good yeah um r- real quick too when you look at this veteran core of players jerusalem obviously got the no move clause uh is there a consideration for this team to maybe move one of the players in the veteran core like a
1: Voracek. um yeah but it's gonna be hard to move him at that at that
0: salary. He's got points though. I mean he's a guy and you he know does. coaches in the NHL are very arrogant. Uh he won't make the same mistakes with me. I'll fix him, you know?
1: Right, but he's got years left on his deal. I don't know. How many years left is on his deal? I think he's got five. Five. So what could happen with Jake Voracek is when Seattle comes into play and there is that expansion draft, they leave him unprotected. I think that's more likely. I think they're going to stick with him right now and leave everything because that is still the way that they could still be a competitive team and make it into the playoffs. If you trade Voracek, I don't know if you're going to get back enough that's going to help you. So I think you're better off keeping him. But yeah, you could you could lose him at that time
0: yeah. in a couple of years. Cap hit his eight point two five. So it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Um for a guy hey, look he's got good regular season numbers, but again in the playoffs he had a tough. Postseason, post-season. he was a little rough. Yeah. And, and Giroud, you know, great regular season numbers. Yep. Um didn't have the playoff that he wanted. Um certainly and when you have a lack of depth like the Flyers have offensively it's much easier for a team to shut you down. And when you're playing that Crosby line, they play in your zone so much. Yeah. You just don't get a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I think Giroux is a a
1: terrific player and a star. He's not a superstar. Yeah. And I think...
0: Not it, a takeover the game One, No, he's not guy. Sidney
1: Crosby or Alex Ovechkin. That is not his fault. That's yeah. just not who he is. Yeah. He's a great player, though. Yeah. And I think he does still need more around him to get more out of him. And that's the thing in the playoffs is, in the playoffs, they don't have, like, those playoff experience guys that you know are money mm-hmm. to go to. If he had one of those guys to play with, just one, yeah. I think you would see more out of him. He doesn't even have one yet. Yeah. Maybe one of those are, one of those guys, maybe it's connecting. Maybe one of those guys will turn into that. That's the hope.
0: Yeah, and it takes a lot of pressure off a guy. It does. Uh, they're going to lose some guys, uh, some expiring contracts. Matt Reed, uh, Val Philpola is going to, uh, uh, his deal is up. Maybe a chance that he comes back, Brandon Manning. Uh, but any other guys defensively that may not be on this roster next year. I'm looking at a Guy like Radko Gudis, Andrew McDonald. How do they handle them?
1: I, I think McDonald stays. I mean, I think he's proven to be like a mentor to the younger guys, and mm. he had a. Pretty good year. He was a little askew in the playoffs too, but yeah. so was everybody else. And you're playing the Penguins, so I kind of have to give him a little bit of a pass on that. I think Gudis is gone. I, I think I do too. And I'm look. I have to read into it because you know Hextall wasn't here for me when I came back after he was on the show. But if he was, I would ask him about Ratko Gudis's just the way he carries himself on the ice, as far as the. The bad hit, you know, the the bad hit, the bad yeah. time, the the stick infraction, the the stick penalties, yeah. those things, I think, are what drives Hextall crazy. Yeah, and I think if they and look, he's a totally reasonable rate, and I think somebody could definitely use him, even if it's at you know bottom pairing, somebody will want Rykugutis. I think they should trade him. Yeah,
0: and and, 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 and I think plays, they will trade him. Yeah, he plays on that line. He does, and when he's. Afraid to go to the line, he's pretty ineffective. I mean, look, he's reeled it in a lot yeah. in the last couple Since of the years suspension this year, especially. Yes, but Maybe the hockey the IQ, detriment. the hockey IQ is still not great. No, no, and I mean, I've thrown that pizza up the middle, in Game Six was <laughs> yeah. just horrific. I mean, he had a horrible, horrible. He had some really bad turnovers,
1: period. and I think that's ultimately what's going to get him out.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, real quick, before we get to some of the other uh, prospects, yeah, um, and we're going to get to some important names, including Frost and Hart and Rubsev, um, The coaching assessment. Dave Haxtall this year, you're looking for growth out of a young coach. He's down and completed his third year in the NHL. Um, made the playoffs in his first year, didn't in his second. Got back to the playoffs this year. Very criticized for his lineup decisions and matchups and games. Um, is he developing in a way that uh, that, that, that is going to lead you to believe that he's a guy that can lead a team to be a cup contender?
1: I guess we'll find out next year. But to not cop out on that... He's made the playoffs two out of three years. Yeah. Like
0: again, in a league that's become really hard to make the playoffs. Yeah. Now. So in
1: yeah. the NHL, that's already considered a success. Mm. And yet, you just named four or five things that are working yeah. against him. I, I think I don't think Ron Hextall
0: thinks the same way you do. No, I, I don't. And I, well, think, I think he's been charged with um, his number one task is charged. Young is young is talent. this like a judicial thing now? <laughs> no, yeah. He, but <laughs> the number one task that he is tasked with is developing young talent. And when you look at that, he's done a good job. Yeah. Uh, I think. Look,
1: he he's developed. Sandheim, which again, we all were kind of wondering if that could happen. Mm-hmm. He Konecti had a great year under him, so he has developed a year ago. I was asking the same question Can he develop the young players? This year, I think he's answered that question. And I think, I, you know, Gosses pro
0: overall, I mean, mean Gosses
1: Goss improved a lot defensively. Is that him? I don't know. I think maybe that was like a 50 50, but at the end of the day, guys are developing, and that is his job, and it's not like I, look, we all look at him and say that he is kind of rigid with who he wants to play in minutes and all those things. But I think he somebody spoke to him this year and said, this is what how it's got to lay out for the next two, three years. And guys have to be a little more prominent in their roles. And we did see something different this year early on that we didn't see a year ago with just the openness that he had mm-hmm. to letting guys play for the most part. I know we could all yeah. point to certain benchings and everything. So I think he's... He's fine. He's totally safe.
0: Yeah, and the other part of that too is you know, he's really allowed his defense to activate and be themselves on the ice and not pigeonhole them to the things that aren't their strengths.
1: No, and you that, that, see that's in this
0: part NHL for Pro raw seventeen goals.
1: Yeah, you see in the NHL, you need to get points out of your defense. You do because there are times when there are going to be stretches, playoffs, and otherwise where you go pointless, where guys will go cold, and you defense can step up like John
0: Carlson did the other day for yeah. uh, the Caps. Um, real, uh, you surprised? No change with uh, the penalty kill coach, Ian Lapierre. You know, I, I,
1: I mean, he's so well liked. I mean, is it? that great of a detail that... say I know there are some fans that say, yes, yes, get him yeah. out. But the well, problem... fans always want a body. Yes, but the problem is what you get bring in back in may not be as good. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes him. Players like him. Mm-hmm. He relates well. He just has to do a little better job. I think you got to give him the a- and opportunity... And some better to,
0: personnel to work with. Yeah,
1: and yeah. I think that's, that's fair.
0: Yeah, and when Matt Reed was called up to this team, their penalty kill improved drastically.
1: It, you know, the crazy part about all this is like Matt Reed... Wasn't a part of this team for eighty-five to ninety percent of mm-hmm. the year. Then he comes up and gets all these minutes on the penalty kill, yeah. and he actually did well with it. Which I wasn't shocked at. I didn't yeah. think Matt Reed totally He's a savvy lost. Player. Yeah, I didn't think he totally lost his skills. But I th- they did think it was a shock that he just took on so many minutes mm-hmm. when he wasn't a part of the team. So it just shows you how badly the team needs a player in that role.
0: Yeah, and um, maybe the guy that's not in that role is Yuri LaTera next year. Although he th- although he played well in the playoffs, yeah, we have to acknowledge he that. he hit a little bit of a stride late in the season. Yeah, he looks like he's carrying a piano down the ice. You know, he, he, he does. He told situation. me
1: preseason. I wrote an article about it that he got a lot faster, and I said, okay, I'll write it down, and and I did, and he didn't, but <laughs> he, he did. But he did show some, so you know, early on in, in in camp, he was working with Philpola and they showed a little connection. Yep. For whatever reason, after a couple of games, the Flyers went, you know, Haxtell went completely away from it. Then he paired them back up in the playoffs, and you did see something. Yep. They're probably both gone, but at least they got something
0: out of them. Um- Okay, let's look at free. And by agency.
1: gone, I mean they'll just bury Laterra in the age. Yeah,
0: they'll go to the Phantoms. They'll save a little bit of cap hit, and yeah. if they run into an injury situation, he, a veteran call up. Yeah, uh, let's look at free agency. Uh, they got money for the first time in a while. Ron Hextall spoke about it. Uh, let, let's just get this out there. John Tavares, any possibility? Zero. You think he even hits the market? Yes, I. I don't think he's going back to the Islanders. I think he. I wouldn't blame him in the least. By the way, no, I
1: ahead. mean there's a lot going on there. Although things could improve. If Lou Lamarillo lands there, like a lot of people think he's going mm-hmm. to, because Chris Lamarillo's in the uh, organization. Yep. Back in the day when I lived on Long Island and I grew up a Ranger fan, Bill Torrey was the guy that really helped guide those Islanders, and boy, did I hate them. And. But I and I had to live through those championships and boy yeah. did I people would just kill me right. But I appreciated the job that Bill Tory did. Lou Lamarillo could sort of be like the Bill Tory for them. Yeah. That could be enough to sway John Tavares if they Lou tells him a certain plan. But they got to get him in there right away. Most likely they're running out of time. They're running out of time. Most yeah. likely he's when there's that window he's going to talk to teams. Yeah, and I don't think the Flyers are going to be one of those teams because I don't think Hextall is going to feel like everything's going to be ready at the right time. Like is it going to be year three or four of that contract yeah. of a seven-year deal? That have yeah, it...
0: considered the trickle-down effect of that with the con- yeah. the, the the contracts coming up for Konechny for Provorov, right? You know, guys, are you got to pay those paid. guys, so yeah. I don't think
1: they're going to go after them.
0: Yeah. Uh, so where do they go from a forward standpoint? What do they try and attack? Who are some potential guys?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, they they haven't looked. I haven't heard anything about Ilya Kovalchuk or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would because of the over-35 thing. But, yeah. you know, he does want to stay in the sort of, like, Northeast Corridor. Yeah, Northeast yeah. Corridor. I, I don't expect the Flyers to be in on him, but...
0: I, sp- I expect him to end up with the Rangers.
1: Yeah, we all do, but he's got to talk to other teams. And, yeah. you know, you do kind of wonder if, for a couple of years, that the Flyers would actually break their rule and get a guy like that mm. until players develop. It would help them because they do have a shortage of wingers. I don't know if he's gonna be that guy. I think they're gonna be looking to do more trading to get guys than oh, than more of that. I, I don't because I think like when you look what the Rangers did, they got guys like Spooner. I think they're mm. gonna look around and see who is maybe not gonna be around on another team like you know, as an example, if they wanted a defenseman, you might be able to get Noah Hannifin in the offseason. Yeah. You know, at out of Carolina. Carolina. Yep. And they might be looking to even do that over getting another forward because even though we know that they have a lot of defensemen, you know when you when you start you need a
0: veteran D by, back there.
1: You do, and when you start breaking it down, if you could get him in a deal, move some young assets, I think he's a great guy to bring in. Yeah. I
0: really do. What, what about a guy like uh, Michael Grabner? Michael
1: He'll help you on the PK. Yeah, you know Grabner
0: speed. He he's
1: young for the you know his legs are young for the age that he is, and I think he's sort of like Matt Cullen that way. Where I don't think age is going to matter. He. Look, he's great at empty net goals, but he even proved mm-hmm. that you know he he can score shorties and yeah. and he could really help the penalty kill. Michael Grabner would be good for this team, but again, at some point, is Hexall going to break the over thirty rule? We yeah. we don't know if he's going to do it. I think he would only do it for a superstar. I don't know mm-hmm. if he would do it for a Grabner.
0: Okay, uh, let's look at some of the uh, potential guys to that, that are really going to people that are going to have their eye on come camp. Morgan Frost had a great year in the OHL, still playing. Yeah. Um, You know, actually, there's one other guy that comes to mind. I don't know if they would spend the money, but they might.
1: John Carlson. Now, back in the day, the Flyers could have drafted John Carlson, but they made a trade for a defenseman who I can't remember his name right this minute. He's a scout. Um, Yeah, People know. They could look it up. Yeah, But they could have drafted Mm. John Carlson, but they traded that pick away. John Carlson would be a hell of a free agent signing. It would cost them a lot of money. But again... You don't know if all these defensemen are gonna develop the way you hope. If they could have
0: He should have been a Norris candidate.
1: Yeah, he probably was on the edge of being yeah. a Norris candidate and so and he's he hasn't said that he's going back to the cap. So I think he's yeah. also gonna look out there. If I'm the Flyers, I might wanna peek in on You'd John Carlson. On yeah, that. I would yeah. kick the tires on
0: it. Um uh, Morgan Frost is a guy, had a great year yes. in the OHL. Uh he's still slight. He needs to put a lot of muscle on for them to make a very difficult but decision. But Duran is
1: you slight too. Like, it, yeah. it's not impossible to play slight in this league. Mm-hmm. It's not. If you're... Uh, Mitch, Mitch Marner is really slight. Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: still. And, yeah, we're and he's got them. massive skills. Yes. Um, Travis Konecki was a guy that put them to the test very similarly, but was a lot thicker of a player. He was thicker. I, You know, I he's think... He's going to have to earn it, though, in camp.
1: Yes. I think Frost will be one of those guys that gets this long look in camp because... Does he, he get 10 games? No. No. I think he'll get complete preseason and maybe they'll play him in the regular. But, again, Hextall hasn't done that. He doesn't do that, yeah. So far, he hasn't broken the rule. This could be the time where he breaks the rule and says, you know what, I've got to see what I have in this kid because he's way ahead of the curve in junior hockey. The speed is elite. He has NHL speed. His hockey IQ really is off the chart. Even Mm. when you see him in a camp situation, he makes everybody around him better. The pass is the vision. He's got a great snapshot yeah the strength isn't there, right? But if he were to play with a Claudejurew, you, you know, I, yeah. I would have to put that together and just see what I've got right now. Yeah, before I send him back. With that game. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, the other guy, German Rupsev, uh, yeah. that first round pick a few years ago, where is he in his development?
1: Well, you know, he did have some injury problems early on. I think he's doing really well. Is he a center or a winger? We don't he's gonna know. He's going to be a winger in the end. Probably going to be a winger. Yeah. He was pretty good at face-offs, but he is a smart kid, and he's strong. Yeah. He he was a guy that was always strong for his age, and he keeps getting stronger, and he's very smart on the ice, and he's very crafty and sneaky around the net. I like all of those things in him. He's a guy that still I would put for at least a year or two in the AHL. I would not rush him. I don't think like it, it's a blim situation. I think he, he got robbed of some games. With that shoulder injury and other things, I think he needs more reps. Yeah. But I think he's a great... I mean, I think down the line, you know, you're talking about a top nine guy. Okay. But I'm, I don't know how many years. Even if it's two full years in the AHL, I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah. yeah well, they're in a situation where they can put him there for two years. Yeah. Um, all right. To bury the lead completely, how about Carter Hart? The Everett Silver Tips, phenomenal numbers. I mean, off the chart numbers, considering he had mono, played in the World Juniors. The save percentages, astronomical. Um, we know the the goalie that he could be. Will he can put them in any kind of pickle to make a decision? I have my feeling on it, which is no.
1: I'm going to say no because the general manager was a goalie. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to look at that situation and say, "We and, and look, Carter Hart, I think, is as strong as anybody is mentally, and, and he also really does think the game quickly mm-hmm. as a goalie. But... I, could he get a preseason game? Yes, I think he'll yep. get a preseason game, and then I think they'll send him right to Lehigh, and he is your starting goalie for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms yep. without gonna thinking work about him. him. Yeah. And they're going and he should get a lot of starts. Yep. And Sandstrom's going to still be overseas, which was yep. right because that was smart because he have Lyon and Stolars to deal with as well. Yeah, Stolars I think won't be there. Yeah, yeah, I think now this latest that's little over. knee issue, yeah. I think that's it. I think it's over for him. But Lyon will be there, and at the or or Lyon will be the backup. Up top, and somebody else will be there. End of the day, though, he's going to be the lion's share goalie in Lehigh, mm-hmm. and then let's see where he is after the season. Don't even think about using him in the a- NHL this year. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't make enough sense.
0: If he's having some kind of astronomical run, I have this feeling he'll see a game during the season. I, I just no, if there's you know injuries what? or something. I
1: remember going back and watching, you know, Carey Price play for Hershey mm-hmm. um, when they won the Calder, Yeah. and. They didn't bring him up, and
0: they were right not yeah. to do it. And look how and, good and character look where he is. was drafted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of people want to go. Well, look at Matt Murray. Look what he's done. Actually, and just to
1: be fair, I was in Hershey, but you know he's he was playing
0: for. Um, yeah now, he wasn't playing for the Caps organization.
1: No, no, no. He he was playing and, and now I can't even think of the uh the Habs minor league organization. Oh, I don't uh, even remember
0: either. That's uh, bad. It's bad. Well, I'm getting old. We're getting to the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh but Carter Hart, he will be the future and we'll see how he develops uh, over the next year. So they go in with they go with Brian Elliott next year, and I gotta think that they're gonna go with some kind of different backup other than Neubert. You think the lion, you think that's the answer there? I don't think that's the answer.
1: I don't think it's the answer. I just think they've got X amount of <clears throat> funds allocated I think that if Neuvirth is hurt, then LTIR could be a way mm. to to bring somebody else in. But I don't think they're going to be in a situation where they're going to have, like, three goalies and, like, $10 million rolling. rolling. Uh, what can you get from no. I Nothing. I just—I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. But there is a guy who could be had in a trade in Corey Crawford. There's two years left on Crawford's deal. If you go you're getting him,
0: you're getting him to be a starter, though.
1: Yeah, but that's fine. I mean if you get him yeah. to be the starter, hey, Elliot has been a backup before, and if you tell him he's a backup again, what's he gonna do? There's not yeah. much he can do there. Last year of a deal. You do you do that does guarantee your Carter Hart for two years in the AHL, which isn't a bad
0: thing. Yeah. And you can compete with Corey Crawford.
1: And you can compete with Corey Crawford. Yeah. So there is a possibility there of that happening. Yeah. Because you got to believe Chicago might be wanting to get out of that because there's such a bad cap situation there. Oh,
0: horrible. It's a horrible now, situation. Now, what would you
1: have to give up? Yeah, you're going to have to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to give up someone like a Radcliffe. You might have to give mm-hmm. up. Isaac Radcliffe, yeah. Yeah, Isaac Radcliffe because they, they do like big, strong uh, wingers there. You yeah. might have to give up somebody like that. You might have to give up a Philippe Myers. I mean, yeah. but again, if you could get Corey Crawford and Ron Hextall thinks I can get past the first round in the playoffs to do it. You might have to trade a young asset or two. Yeah,
0: no question about it. It'd be very interesting. Well, Ross, uh, Russ, <laughs> we're both losing it. <laughs> we're losing it, man. Uh, Russ at Sportsology on Twitter. Great information. Hamilton, as always.
1: Hamilton Bulldogs. That's right.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I knew you'd get it before it was over. <laughs> just before the goal line. I, that is episode twenty-five of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, hit Russ's website at Sports. No, just Sportsology, Sportsology. Dot com. Hit that. Get the book. It's a good book. I haven't have my copy yet, but you're going to bring me one. I'm going to bring it next show. (laughs) And uh, everybody, enjoy the episode. Uh, Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a rating and review. We appreciate you listening. Enjoy your hockey playoffs, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.